to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, my friend. I am so glad that you are here today. Before we get started, I want to make sure that you know about the retreat that we have coming up this weekend, and it's all virtual, so you can join in from literally anywhere. And we're going to have contemplative prayer, chair yoga, regular flow yoga, writing, reflecting, praying, all sorts of different things theology talks and feminism, literally everything you could want to do. And there's some really, really, really incredible women who are leading it with me. And so I encourage you to go to dancingpastor.org slash retreat and find out more. It's sliding scale. So it's really accessible for anybody. So I encourage you to go check it out, dancingpastor.org slash retreat. Okay, let's dive in. Today, we are going to be reading from the prophet Isaiah, and this is chapter 56, verses 1 through 8. The Lord says, act justly and do what is righteous, because my salvation is coming soon and my righteousness will be revealed. Happy is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not making it impure and avoids doing any evil. Don't let the immigrant who has joined with the Lord say, The Lord will exclude me from the people. And don't let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. The Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, choose what I desire and remain loyal to my covenant. In my temple courts, I will give them a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an enduring name that will not be removed. The immigrants who have joined me, serving me and loving my name, becoming my servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath without making it impure, and those who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain and bring them joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their entirely burned offerings and sacrifices on my altar. My house will be known as a house of prayer for all peoples says the Lord, who gathers Israel's outcasts. I will gather still others to those I have already gathered. Here ends our reading. If you would pray with me for a moment. Holy and gracious God, your scriptures remind us every day that your family includes everybody, that your house of prayer is a house of prayer for all people. May we remember that the times that we want to exclude or the times that we feel excluded. May we remember that in your holy kingdom, we are all welcome, that there is an equal place at the table for each and every person in this world, including the people we want to exclude and including us. Each and every one of us is welcome. Gracious God, open our hearts, open our minds, and fill our well with your love today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Today, I want to talk about who is in and who is out. This notion of some people being included and some being excluded is really pervasive in our culture. And I think we all have various definitions of it, different experiences of it, different ideas about who it is that is in and who it is that is out. I have seen so often how frequently people are made to feel like they are unworthy, like they are unwelcome. And a lot of people, especially in the United States, feel this more than others. We see it a lot in anti-immigration, anti-LGBTQ. We see it in bullying in schools. We see it in terms of rich and poor, city and country, all sorts of different things. There's so much that's about who is in and who is out. And it differs in each crowd, each state, each part of the country, every church. There are these rules, whether they are written or unwritten, that for so long have functioned to keep some people in and some people out. This year, we're celebrating the anniversary of some women's right to vote. And I say some because Black women, of course, couldn't vote for another 40-some years um, until the Voting Rights Act. And I keep coming back to this as a prime example of who is in and who is out. You can even look at our Constitution and it defining who is fully human. Or even not that long ago, we look at redlining in real estate. My husband and I have been searching for a house to buy. And so we've been thinking about this a lot. What is redlining and what neighborhoods did it affect? What cities did it really impact? I know even my grandfather's house, when it was sold, my brother found some of the original documents for the home that outlined that people of color, and it didn't say it that way, could not own that house or any house in that neighborhood. It wasn't that long ago. And in fact, many of these practices are still deeply impacting our cities and our neighborhoods today. And it's not just that, it's the church too. The church does this all the time. There's a whole movement about do better young life because young life is this program for young folks within the church. And there's a huge movement of LGBTQ folks who are saying young life needs to do better because of the harm it has done on LGBTQ youth. But it's not just young life. There's a whole lot of churches that have caused harm and said some people are in and some people are out. In fact, just this week, some of Paul's writing in the New Testament was quoted at me saying that I had no place in a theological conversation that was happening, not just as a pastor of a church, but because I'm a woman, because I am a woman, my opinion was automatically invalid in having any sort of dialogue around theology, just because I'm a woman. It didn't matter that I have a master's degree in divinity. It didn't matter that I'm an ordained minister. All that mattered was that I was a woman. And the Apostle Paul, in some of the letters he wrote, talked about how women have no place for teaching in the church and should just sit and be silent. And so that's what I was told. This happens all the time, all the time to various marginalized groups. I want to acknowledge, I know many of us are feeling burnt out by messages of social justice, and I I want to acknowledge that and I want to honor that. But this week's scripture in particular speaks directly 
to this struggle between who is in and who is out. It shows that it was pervasive even in biblical culture. There were issues of who has been included and who has been excluded. And the prophet Isaiah is speaking directly to this issue. I know it feels for many of us like the world has been falling apart at the seams and we're desperately trying to figure out how can we put this all back together? And this is also a major part of what Isaiah is addressing here. This particular chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 56, is considered third Isaiah, assumed to have been prophesied during the rebuilding of the Jerusalem temple after the return from exile. So around 520 to 516 BCE, before the Common Era. And if you're not familiar with exile, the Hebrew people were exiled for quite a while after they had been conquered. And a majority of their families, Jewish folks, were sent to an entirely different nation. They were exiled. And it's important here to remember that Jewish people were, it wasn't just, and still isn't just a religion. It's, it's a nation, a nationality. And so they were exiled. And then when they started to come back, when they started to return from exile after someone else took power, now they're trying to rebuild. They're trying to rebuild everything, including the Jerusalem temple. And so this prophet, third Isaiah, whom God is speaking through, says to the people, act justly and do what is right. Do not let anyone feel unworthy. Do not let anyone feel like they do not belong. Do not make anyone feel like they are useless. Those you have excluded, I will include the immigrant and the eunuch, I will gather your outcasts. My house will be known as a house of prayer for all peoples. This is being spoken to the returning exiles who themselves had been foreigners in a strange land. And God is speaking through Isaiah, telling them to act justly and do what is right, especially, especially in regards to your relationship with those who have been outcast among you. And what's really radical about this prophecy from Isaiah is that it is a direct contradiction to rules set forth in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy 23 verses 1 through 8, if you want to look it up. It speaks directly to excluding foreigners and eunuchs. Literally, in Deuteronomy, it talks about this. And so when Isaiah is saying these things about not excluding but welcoming in immigrant and eunuch, It's a direct contradiction to what is written in Deuteronomy, in the law. And what was happening here is that there were really strong traditional rules, along with what was written in scripture, about who belonged in God's family, who belonged in God's kingdom. And when you have rules about who belongs, there are always rules about who does not belong, who is to be excluded. And so foreigners and eunuchs in particular, if you aren't sure what a eunuch is, I invite you to Google it. It's someone who has been sexually mutilated and they were treated as outcasts. People who are unworthy, who do not belong in God's family. And now, now as they are trying to rebuild, literally, their homes, their cities, their livelihood, their temple. They're trying to rebuild themselves back. The Lord speaks through Isaiah 
and essentially says everyone is in. No one is to be excluded and names especially those who have been excluded previously. The prophet is saying society can only be salvaged, can only be rebuilt in this way with full inclusion. It reveals God's ultimate intention of including all people. Saying all are worthy to be a part of this community. Not one person is to be turned away. And so Isaiah here, God is speaking through him saying, I am overturning old rules and prejudices. Saying this is not the way of God. In God's house, in God's house, all people are welcome. The Lord says, my house will be known as a house of prayer for all peoples. I will gather Israel and all of Israel's outcasts. Every single Sunday, every single Sunday, my churches pray the Lord's prayer. And I'm sure many of you who attend church on Sundays or any day of the week say this prayer as well. And in this prayer, we say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. This is what we pray for every week. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will, God's kingdom is about unity. God's will is full inclusion of all people, especially the outcasts. So I want you to think for a moment, who have you witnessed be outcast in your life, in society? Maybe you have felt outcast. And if that is the case, God is speaking directly to you saying, you are welcome in my house. You are a part of my family. You are not just welcome, but you are celebrated in my home. It's important to say too, that with unity, we're not talking about sameness. We're not talking about all people being the exact same. That is not God's intention. God created diversity and beauty And God welcomes all of that. I I think of it like a big puzzle, right? A puzzle wouldn't be that exciting if every single piece were the same, right? The only reason a puzzle works is because all the pieces are different and they all fit together beautifully. That is God's intention for the world. We are all so different, but that's what connects us. Every single barrier that we put up, every prejudice, every time we try to exclude God is there actively breaking those things down, saying, no, this is not my way. My way is unity and diversity. My way is bringing everyone together. So God is there breaking every prejudice down. There's a story in the gospel of Matthew about Jesus and the Pharisees and the disciples and the Pharisees come up to Jesus and ask, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? And Jesus responds, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? I love that response. Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? And Jesus says, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He's talking here about how sometimes tradition gets in the way of God's intention. 
Jesus says, for the sake of your tradition, you make void the word of God. He's essentially telling them that they are, they're teaching human precepts, human tradition as doctrine, as if they are the word of God. And Jesus is here to say, no, no, no. He is here to not abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, to get us back into understanding what are God's motivations here? What is God doing in our world? And so often we get in the way of what God is trying to do. God is trying to bring us all together and we're just trying to separate it all. But God is saying, no, all are welcome. And so after this conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees, the disciples come up to him and they say, don't you know, you just upset the Pharisees. I love that question. (laughs) And Jesus says, every plant that my father didn't plant will be pulled up. Every plant that my father didn't plant will be pulled up. And I used to think when I read this, that Jesus was referring to people, like people will be pulled up, that, that God didn't plant these things. And these things are people. But as I read it this time, especially connecting it to Isaiah and dug a little deeper, I realized that Jesus isn't referring to people. He's not referring to plants. He's referring to this idea that any teaching that is not from God or of God will be pulled up. That's what Jesus is here trying to do, trying to say all of these things that are human tradition, these will be pulled up, re-understood. Jesus is trying to remove these barriers that we have put up and bring us back to what is God doing? All of these traditions of exclusion, anything that says they're in and they're out. Jesus is saying, none of these things are of God. None of them. No one is excluded from God's family. No one is left out. No one is unworthy. My friend, I want you to hear these words. You are a part of God's family. You are. You are loved. You are welcome at God's table. And so am I. We all are. God is at work in this world. God is here and now and alive doing all that God can do to bring us together. And yes, we have humans who have tried to divide us but look for where God is unifying us. Look for where God is calling us together and bringing us in because God is at work. And on the days when you feel unworthy, on the days when you have felt cast out, know that you have a place in God's kingdom, that you are worthy, that your life matters, that you are important. God's house is a house of prayer for all people, including you, including me, including every single person. Praise be to God forever and amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. 
The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries, and you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.